Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong, and thank you for listening to the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Simone White. Simone White comes by her musical talent honestly. Her grandmother performed in burlesque shows, her grandfather wrote poetry, her mother played folk music, and her aunt wrote pop songs. With this kind of pedigree, it is no surprise that White's quirky compositions display the kind of assured quality earned by generations in the arts. Though born in Hawaii and currently residing in California, White's music bears no distinctly American geographical earmarks. Instead, electronic textures blend with hushed guitars to create a prescient sonic palette over which she sings introspective lyrics in a hushed, breathy voice. The effect is vaguely and satisfyingly British, which makes sense given that she is signed to the Honest John's Record Company, a record label that is run by the English artist Damon Albarn of Blur and Gorillaz. There are also stylistic nods to artists as disparate as hushed folk hero Nick Drake and boundary-smashing St. Vincent spread across White's four albums, making her music at once modern and timeless, and also making her developing career a respectable contribution to the family trade. Welcome to Independence Day, Simone White. Hi, Simone. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very, very well. It's a beautiful day in Southern California. When uh, I like it when the weather turns um, weathery. Yeah, we get to put on more clothes, layer up, wool. We, you know, we come from, uh, well, you come from Hawaii originally. We were just discussing that a few minutes ago. You, you're, to see you and to like spend a morning hanging out with you doing these, doing these recordings, uh, you don't strike me as being from Hawaii. What is a person from Hawaii like? I don't know. I, I am, you know, uh, it's cliched, I suppose, but you I mean you you seem like you should be in Boston, or maybe I don't know. Hmm. Um. I think Hawaii is in my blood in a in a certain sense. Like, I I feel really good when I'm near the ocean. Okay. And I just love looking at the silhouettes of palm trees against the gradient sunset sky. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, and you know when you're in Hawaii, it's like that whole like just very you're just kind of being present and yeah. you don't have to do a lot. Yeah, um, I enjoy that different pace of life. Yeah, different pace. Um, but yeah, I don't look. I don't. I guess I don't look like I'm from Hawaii. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't know exactly what that means. Like <laughs> and right some now, big I'm Samoan like totally, guy. I'm totally bundled up here. <laughs> with like a hood. It's not even that cold. That's I know. I'm cold. Um, yeah, no, maybe I'm cold because I'm used to because I'm, I'm used to uh, to it being warmer. Yeah, well, I really like humidity. I mean, if you're gonna, like, I love warm tropical humidity. I, I, I that's actually just miss the best. humidity too. I'm from the eastern United States where it's much more humid, and I actually kind of miss it. I, I this the air smells different. It feels different. It's, yeah, it's it feels soft. softer. It feels like you're walking in your blood when you're walking through space. You yeah. Know? So you now that we've got that out of the way, the pleasantries nice, and the Hawaii part, good. you are Los Angeles based, like singer songwriter. But you you strike me more as an artist, interesting, than a singer songwriter because that word has a bad name for sure. Artist, you think? Singer songwriter? It, well, I don't think it has to, but I think in, in some circles it, it might. Yeah, it does. And well, it, to talk, you know, to visit on cliches again, it's like it. People have an imagination of what you're going to be when you say singer songwriter. Yeah. And then they'll they'll hear my music and they'll go, oh, yeah, you're good. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's something you know, I learned about you. We have a common friend, uh, Michael Chalinski. That's right. Uh, his project that he came on the show was Arrow Highway, but he's a very artistic guy, very old soul. Mm. I really like Michael. I hope he's listening. Thank you, Michael. Great guy. Thank you, Michael. Hope to see you sometime soon. Um, so he uh, he was taking some photographs of you because he's That's kind of right. a renaissance man in that regard. He takes pictures. He has a he makes lot music. of cameras. Yeah, a lot of d- very interesting different kinds of cameras. And the pictures looked super cool. So and I know Michael and I like Michael and his work. So I saw I, I saw your music and I said, oh okay, she's interesting. And then I remembered that he had recommended you for the show way oh, yeah. back when he did the show. And I don't know, maybe I just forgot or, you know. See, pictures are powerful. We're all human. So here you are, and you're a Los Angeles-based artist. Uh, we'll hear some music for you from you in a few minutes. Um, but you're, I mean, you do fall into the singer-songwriter thing because tonight you're going to sit, you're going to play guitar, you're going to sing songs as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. But you're also collaborating with people in Holland. You do jazz music. You've got classical background. And I guess that's what I mean by an artist. Oh, right. Okay. Well, no, that's great. Um, uh, what am I supposed to say now? Well, I just, I'm trying to set you up to say, you know, you, you as yourself as an artist. I mean, do you... I like to do a lot of different things. And okay. I think I, think, um, I ended up, well, I ended up picking up the guitar just because I needed an instrument to write songs with. Yeah. And I would probably have played with a band much earlier or collaborated more if I had found people that I really clicked with or, you know. Yeah. And so I was sort of on my, on my own, like, well, I'll just, well, at least I can do this. Like, it's sort of like self-sufficiency kind yeah. of thing. Guitar is great for that. It's very portable. Yeah. You know, I, and I, touring, I mean, yeah. I toured all over and I and I'm on my own and I think it's I mean, it's so much easier. Yeah. Obviously, for so many Well, reasons. let's one of your newer projects was you've been collaborating with a, a Dutch producer. Like I want to give people just a little oh, yeah. taste of what you sound like cuz okay. cuz I want to get your background. I want to yeah, know yeah. like how you came from Hawaii and then got into class like basically what's your story how you got into classical music and then how you got to where you are now so well uh, um the classical music thing I mean that's let's let's, let's I'm not that. sure that's actually I'm not sure what you read okay I was raised only allowed to listen to classical music well that's part of, of it. my family but I never studied it okay yeah well, I mean I studied you know took a little piano whatever but um yeah, that's part of it yeah I see okay. what you mean yeah well let's let's play the song first though okay which I song think the first song this is uh interference Oh, interference! Oh, we're playing playing the um, the, CD the track. Yes, yes, the yes. Track. Okay, so this this is a collaboration with Reinier Zonneveld, the um, Dutch producer, and he normally does, uh, I guess, like some form of techno dance. I'm not even sure which which version. I <laughs> he's gonna be mad at me. He's like, don't you know what? <laughs> There's so many different types. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't but, tell you. So he contacted me because I had a song, the Beep Beep song, which was very popular. It was in this ad in Europe and it was very popular in Holland. And he contacted me as a fan and he had remixed it. And he said, do you, what do you think? And I'm like, this is awesome because it was really good. And a lot of people had remixed it or a few people had remixed it. And I didn't like any of them or, you know, I think it's... At least not as much as his. Not as much as his, right. <laughs> so, uh, That's the nice way to say And it. then the next thing he said, well, do you want to work on something i said sure and um you know that song came out whenever when in like 2007 i guess and um or 2008 anyway and he was like a teenager and so he sort of like had listened to the song so much and he thought it was just so amazing that and then we're having this collaboration of we've we've done several songs i've sung on these kind of like techno 
like electronic things that are really fun. To, it's really fun to sing in this other genre. And then he also sent me this piano track, which is sort of neoclassical, and it was very just totally different. I sat with it for a couple of weeks and had no idea what I was going to do with it. And then suddenly I was there and I just sat down. I, I wrote some lyrics, recorded it in my house. So I, so he sent me the piano and then I did the, the, the vocal, the lyrics and, you know, wrote the melody and everything and sent it back to him. And we made an amazing video, which at this point will be out when you're hearing this podcast yeah. <laughs> and you can go and look at it. Okay, cool. Simone White is my guest. You can visit her, simonewhite.com. And uh, be sure to listen to the rest of the stuff. We've got an Independence Day, indepthday.com. This is the track Interference, which is a single you can find. Look at simonewhite.com. It's going to be on there. Uh, Collaboration with a Dutch producer, Simone White, Interference on Independence Day. Thank you for listening to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. Come to you every other Wednesday night. We're doing in-depth day flashback videos on the off weeks. This week's guest, Simone White. Say hello, Simone. Hello, Joe. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you. Such fun. You, your music is great, by Thank the way. Thank you. It's uh, at least what you're going to be, the arrangements you're going to be doing tonight. That was great, by the way, the collaboration, which seems like it's a little maybe out of the wheelhouse for you. Uh, yes. Um, yes, out of the wheelhouse. I guess... We're not different from what you normally do because the songs they're going to be yeah. playing today are pretty hushed. They're quiet, uh, almost whispery, uh, just gentle guitar. Um, the also, it's different when you write with yourself. Uh, or for me, it's different when I write with myself on guitar. 
then when I've been given a piece that I'm writing to, kind of, I don't know. And also, like, it, that piano piece is, like, so, is so different from the kind of stuff I normally... Yeah. But, um, but having said that, this song, Harvest, that I'm going to play, I wrote vocally. I, w- I wanted to write a song for this uh, full moon songwriter circle thing that my friend does in, here in L.A. And, um, and it was the harvest moon and it was the, har- you know, the theme, there was like a theme for it. And I was walking around and I didn't have my guitar. So I started writing it vocally. And I think it is interesting. Like I do feel some sort of sometimes bound by the constraints of my knowledge of how to play guitar. And, and then when that's not there, it's like I've, other stuff comes up. So I wrote the vocal and then like had to try to f- sort of figure something out that I could play on guitar that would go yeah. with it. You're talking about Harvest now. I am. Okay. Did you did you want to tell me what Oh, I want to tell you more oh, about interference. Oh, right. Sorry. Um, yeah, but we can we we can, we'll, we'll come back. We'll play Harvest in a few minutes. Okay. Yeah, but no, first, no, no, but with interfere Oh, you mean what what I was going to say what it was about? Yeah. Well, it came out of the the drought here in LA, the sort of end of the world feeling of just like Oh my god, you know, there are too many people on the planet and I'm one of them and climate change and everything. And I was having all this anxiety and I just kind of, it, so it's sort of post-apocalyptic in the sense of the subject. Um, just like sort of, I, I, I guess I just like allowed these like fears and thoughts that were keeping me up at night yeah. to come through into the song. <laughs> Did the track he send you, you know, uh, thematically, musically inspire you to write things about those things or was it just something you were thinking about and had to go somewhere? I think on a subconscious level, maybe. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, it's sort of dark sounding, but it's not like there was anything particular about it that might have... I think it just like, I listened to it over and over for several days and I think it like lodged something unloose in my subconscious that came out. Like I wasn't planning on writing that kind of song that's the magic of songwriting yeah. i guess you know and what did you know when you sent your stuff back to him i mean was he over the moon right away oh my god he, he loved it yeah. yeah he was like he was very i think if i remember correctly Rainier, um it like really struck him it kind yeah. of brought tears because it was like oh, okay. you know when you write something instrumentally there's no, there's no meaning, you know, there's no, like, there's Context. feeling, but there's no, yeah, and so to have, like, words suddenly that are saying things that are, like, very particular or dark or, or profound in a way, like, I think it's, like, you know, that's a good, you know, it's, it's fun collaborating with him, and then, you know, sometimes he sends me, like, beats and stuff, yeah. and I'm, I'm writing to that, and that's different, too. So you're, there's going to be more, is what you're saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, we have, we're, we've been having fun. Okay. Um, doing this back and forth thing. And what a fun way, you know, as we were setting up, we were talking a lot about like the, the assets and liabilities, the pros and cons of technology. Right, right. And how it kind of brings us this together. This is amazing. I at mean, the you same time that it separates us. Oh, right. No, but look how much it brings us together and how great it is. It is good to focus on these positive right. aspects of it for sure. You can use, well, I, I always like to say, you know, you can use the power of technology for good or for evil. Right. Right. And I, I just try very, very hard to use it for good, try to bring people together rather than push them apart. And what a great opportunity to, and something you couldn't have done 25 years ago or nearly as easily. I guess you could have sent them analog tapes, but even, I guess you could have overnighted them, but that would have been exorbitantly expensive to send a tape to. Yeah. Know, and he probably wouldn't have Europe. even thought to write to me. Right. You know, just like being able to talk to people around the world and, um, you know, have actual communication with, 
random. I don't know. I think it's pretty amazing. Okay. So now before, talk to me about Harvest. Harvest. You're, you're gonna, this is the first song you're going to play. Yes. Um, this is... New is what it's. This is new. I haven't recorded. I'm playing a few songs today that I I aren't on any records yet. I am. I'm. I'm gearing up to do some kind of recording. I'm just sort of trying to figure out like what style I want to do it in and what kind of production I want to do it in. Um, But uh, this is a new song, newish, I guess. Well, new to nobody because it's not a record. Um, Right. And it's it's about. what is it? You want me to tell you what it's about? I, I, maybe sure, it's just nice that people hear. You know, um, it's so interesting how things can be about so many things at once. Like, I wrote this sort of thinking kind of specifically, like, about the seasons and harvest and, like, again, a sort of future or past time of, um, like, hardship or I don't know. The cycles. The cycles, and and also like the the the, the disappointments of of the uh, the harvest. Or <laughs> but then a friend of mine heard it, and she's like, "Oh, this sounds like it's about an, a relationship." And I was like, "Oh my god, it's about that too!" Like it's so interesting yeah. how sometimes you can write something and and there's another level, a layer of meaning that like comes through, and it's not even that you didn't mean to write it. It's like you did. It just like came through on the sly, like this like secret yeah. thing that your subconscious puts out there. I mean, I, I love it when things function on multiple levels like yeah. that. And I love it when I've written a song and someone comes to me years later and said, hey, I think this is about whatever. Um, and you know, they'll ask me, like, well, what is this song about? I'm like, well, I don't know. You tell me what it's about. I mean, I almost feel like once... Uh, this metaphor, forgive me if this, this comes up a lot on the show, like when people think of their songs as being this or that like i kind of think of them as children mm-hmm. right like you my job is to just kind of bring them into the world and see to it they don't get killed right <laughs> mm-hmm. the kid's going to be what the kid wants to be the kid's going to follow the kid's own dreams the kid has his own or his or her own ideas about what he or she is going to be in the world right a uh, happy person a sad person an angry person a productive person a go-getter or a relaxed person from hawaii from cleveland whatever <laughs> right um but the kid's going to do its own thing yeah, there's a the life. They have a thing. life of it, and I think, you know, people that talk about people who have like religion or a, a strong spiritual sense will often say, "It wasn't me; it came through me." Right. And I'm envious of that because it feels like that. Yeah. Like, and it would be so nice to, and it also takes your own ego as a human or artist or person out of the way. It's like, thank you, thank you. Oh, it's all me. You know, it's like actually yeah. this came through, and it feels like that. It's like, where did that come from? Yeah. You know. And well, to follow the metaphor through, I feel like some songs are very hard to get into the world. Like some mm. kids are impossible to raise. They're just little bastard children. They take children. a while, you know, or you mean hard, you know, in, in the painful as you're birthing it or that hard because you have to work on it for a Both. while. Right. Both. I mean, to, some kids are just hard to get to do what they're going to do. Kid, go to bed. I don't yeah. want to go to bed. I don't want to go to bed. It's like, ah, every night, you know, it's this battle until they're old enough to put themselves to bed when they're 30, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and some songs are like that. You know, I've, there's been songs where I worked on for years had a version, smashed it apart, reassembled it, took this chorus out, added this thing, changed the key, changed the time signature, changed, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. And to, to get it into the world was this horrible birthing process. And are you happy in the end? With what, well, yeah, I, I would like to think so. But then some just show up. Um, but, you know, and sometimes that's a, a blessing when they just show up and you just kind of spit them out. But then other times it's like, well, I it wasn't even really mine. It just kind of, like you said, kind of came through me. Yeah. 
Anyway, let's play the song. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Simone White. This is the track Harvest, which is a relatively new song. So it, well, you won't find this in one of her records, but hopefully in one of the upcoming ones soon. So visit her at SimoneWhite.com. My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you so much for listening to Independence Day. I'll talk to you some more after this. Spring harvest was thin A single plate translucent skin We turned away and kept it in And prayed for better days Summer harvest fell to rot Too tight to what we got Split in two But still it was too few And so we prayed For better days The autumn harvest disappeared A confirmation of our fear Among the dusty leaves And then we prayed For better days The winter harvest still unfound Stone and fever sealed the ground We stand in silence gathered That's Simone White, Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter, but she's had hits in Europe. She's had stuff placed in television commercials. You've had any of that stuff placed here or no, just overseas? No, it's all been overseas, which, yes. That's kind of cool because, like, you know, obviously when you go to Europe, they just mob you on the streets. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but there, it, there are places, like, I mean... The song that was in the Audi ad, like is very is very well known in yeah. certain parts of the world. Like people really, know it. They're like, yeah. well, of course, the beep beep song. And I was like, nobody here knows it. Yeah, that's really. I, you said something that was really really amusing to me before. You said like people think that you're oh people huge in Europe. Oh or yeah, certain like people. Yeah, like sometimes I'll get an email and I'll write back and and people are like, I can't. They're just like completely flabbergasted that I've written to them. They're like, wow. is this really Simone White? I'm like, yep. <laughs> I guess I'm <laughs> in all my glory. <laughs> yeah, and and they're so t- and it's and it's so nice. Like I've had, I've actually had moments where, you know, I was, I was like, what am I doing? Is this, there, what point? Was there any point to any of this? Like that I'm, whatever, you know, dark times, and I'll get like a message, out of the blue, you know your music touched me in this way or it helped me in this way or it's healing or it like, thank you. And I can't wait for the next. And it's, and it's really nice. Like that's one of the things like we were saying about technology, like just being able to have that kind of communication with people is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So in Europe though, I mean, you, you made some money. 
with um, this thing. Because if Audi is, is yeah, syncing yeah, up that your was, commercial, like yeah, that's, I, you, I lived on that for a while. Yeah, it, it actually was great. It helped me. I mean, it made it so that I could, you know, just be a musician and tour yeah. and make records and, um, yeah. So that were you full time music before that, or was that like the big push that got you over the hump? That was the big push. Yeah. Okay. And for how about sure. now? Are you full-time music now? If, um, Almost? Like, <laughs> it's like, there's like a bell curve thing yeah. happening. But, um, you know, no, I'm not full-time right now. That's not that's not uncommon Yeah. You know, in the modern age. The where, ebb and flow, the feast and famine. Yeah, because unless, I mean, there's this whole theory that we won't, because of technology, every artist ideally can find their niche or find their audience. Because if you are into... Uh, death metal klezmer right <laughs> there's there's some group of people out there god help them that are actually going to be into that and you can hopefully connect with them and they're going to buy your music and then you've got at least it's a small audience but maybe you've got them right but so nobody this, buys music anymore well so. right i guess well go to your show buy right. your t-shirt whatever whatever commerce there's going to be but there's this theory that we won't have these mega artists like the beatles anymore because that was a common experience when people would, there were only three channels when people would watch the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Right. So, or when, when the final episode of MASH happened, it was a cultural touchstone because there was only a few places to watch media and everybody watched it. Now that everything's so diffused and there are so many options and so much input and so so much much media, like there won't be that kind of thing anymore. So to get a level of notoriety in Europe, Germany, wherever it was with an ad, which touches on another thing that artists like revenue streams now aren't like they used to be. No, and and I don't think anyone will like be mad at you for selling out the way they used to. Like if you have a song in a in an ad or a, a movie right. or something, it used like that was. I mean, that's kind of how you. How else are you going to do it now? That's right. the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah, you'll find bands. It's <laughs> it's kind of shameful, but they're kind of writing to cater to right to stuff. And I remember when we were mixing my last album. The uh, the mix engineer said we should make a uh, an instrumental version of this. Oh yeah, absolutely. You do that every just song. Normal. No, and they just yeah. did a, basically muted the vocal and did the same mix again. Because then they're like, gonna in the, and when they need it, they need it like instantly. So you've yeah. got to have it ready. Yeah. Yeah, and I re- I remember it was funny too because as he was doing it, like there's something about the chorus of the song lent itself to like some product you could buy at every grocery store in in the world. It was like butter or you know, cheese or something like that. And that I started... Butter or cheese was in the chorus? Well, no, the not word. that specifically, but oh. I started singing uh-huh. that lyrical phrase for that commonly found product fit perfectly in with, or maybe it was like dish soap or something. And uh-huh. I was joking. Oh, right. But then as we were doing it in the studio, it was like, wow, that's kind of uncannily weird how well that fits in. The song had n- absolutely nothing to do with any type of commerce of that nature, but it... It was so perfect. It was almost freaky. Like you I gotta get that on somebody's desk. Yeah. Well, I wanted to call up Palm Oliver, whoever it is, makes that, and say, "Hey, here's your new jingle because I need money and you need a jingle." Well, that's funny because um, when I first wrote the beep beep song, when I first recorded it, I sent it to um, Mini because they were mm-hmm. starting their, Mini Cooper. The, yeah, the Mini Cooper. They were starting this like new thing, and I was like, "Hey, I think this would be a great song for an ad," and they wrote back this form letter. We do not. We did not look at what you sent us because they have to protect themselves from any kind of litigation. And it was just like this whole thing. And I was like, "Oh, okay, I get it. You know, that's not how right. you you don't just send some song to a right. huge corporation." But then magically, like it ended up being a car ad anyway. But yeah. Uh, um, 
Yeah. So when you have like, that's funny that you're like, I'm going to send my song to Palm Olive. You can't do yeah. that. So tell me, tell me how it happened with that. Cause that's the kind of a cool thing. Most musicians don't get to experience that. Um, it just cool. was like, it just so came you're out, sitting around your house one I'm day. I'm sitting around then... my house and I, my, my labels in England and they, they told me, Oh, by the way, Audi wants to use your song in one of their ads. Isn't that strange? <laughs> that's how they are. Uh-huh. And, um, I tried to find out how it came about. Like, who do I think? You know, like, is it some? And they just said, "Oh, it just landed on our desk." And it ended up being so perfect for the ad campaign. It looked like it was written for it. Like the 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 tagline was like, "The slowest car we've ever built." And I and I sing, "Can you wait forever? If time is all it takes." Like as part of the part of the ending of the song. Anyway, it just looked like like it was. I think I think if we had known how perfect it was maybe they would have like negotiated a bit for a bit better because in those situations it's always like you're up against a ton of other people and so you're just like oh yes please let it me be you know be me you know so then like anyway i'm just sounding like such a sellout well um you know back to my back to my job at the restaurant otherwise right you know well but that's the thing you know it, it's it must be nice to be in the position of like Bruce the people the musicians who have always been known who would never sync their music Tom Waits is an example that comes up quite a bit because he has won at least two lawsuits against corporations for them aping his music they, you know right. the first one Frito-Lay I think it even contacted him about using the music oh, wow. and he said no and then they just got a Tom Waits impersonator to come in and do the same kind of thing. Amazing. And he sued the pants off him and won a pretty substantial settlement. Really? And then it That's happened great. again. Well, I think when you're in a position, like there was a time I did turn down some sinks because I didn't like what the products were for at all. Yeah. But I already had some money I was sitting on from that Audi. So I was like, yeah. oh, uh, I can turn these down. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me what, but all right, so put me in that position. Like, tell me what that feels like. You get the Audi thing, right? So, how long? So, you hear about it one day sitting in your apartment. And then, how long before, like, was it one day you looked in your bank account and all of a sudden there are more zeros? I don't want to like, talk about this. It's embarrassing. Like, like how? What well, does I was it feel on like, tour though? when I was on tour in Europe, in okay. the UK, when um, the ad came out. And one thing that actually was really strange was I would play the song. And this like electricity went through the room. People knew it. And I was like opening for somebody and I was, you know, I wasn't like, I was opening, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Stephen Fretwell. Anyway. And, uh, and people were like, oh, cause it was playing all the time and it was like this big campaign. So there, that's something interesting. Just like when you are, you know, struggling artist trying to get yourself out there. And then suddenly someone's like, I know that. I know you. Oh my, who are you? You know, oh, wow. It, it, it's, it, I mean, I guess everybody that has some brush with, you know, success or fame or whatever, like that, there's there's a period where you don't know what that feels like. And I mean, and then suddenly the people are like, of course I know that. That was everywhere. Yeah. Or and it's just strange. And And also what's strange for me is I live here and it wasn't here. So of course you know nobody here knows, which is fine. But uh, yeah. it's just it's just funny. Well, as, as long as it's happening somewhere, I remember. Uh, do you know Josh Ritter, the musician Josh Ritter? I've heard his name. Kind of folky singer songwriter, great, great lyricist, and he'd been I think from Idaho originally, which is odd. Um, I don't know why it feels strange to be musicians from Idaho, but it always seems strange. 
uh, the, he was in New York, struggling around, scrapping around, trying to make a name for himself, and started touring in, I think, Ireland, you know, because it's not that terribly far away if you're going to go to Europe, and they speak English, so that makes it a little bit easier there. And people went crazy for him. So he would, he would sell out these tours in Ireland, in these medium-sized places, doing his thing, and then go back to New York and couldn't get a gig at the yeah. bottom line or couldn't it's get a gig It's definitely a wherever. roller coaster feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's artists like that that are, you know, are really big in Japan. It's a joke. Yeah. Big in Japan. Big in Japan. <laughs> you know, I knew when I was working for a band, you know, we stopped over there and there was this guitar player who'd been a metal guitar player in one of the metal bands. Like I knew of them, wasn't really a fan, but he was there living in Japan because that's where his money was. Like that's where his right. audience was. And it, it became such a thing that he moved there. Yeah. Like there he could live. I would like, move to Japan. I love Japan. Yeah, I like Japan too. I had a great time when I was there. Um so I don't know, it's it's funny when that happens, but it's a really cool feeling. It's 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 gotta be as a musician, I mean, I almost feel like a battle we fight is an internal one. Yeah. Like, am I good enough? Because you get you're constantly beat down. You're trying to get gigs and you're yeah. trying and if you're not like trying that to get out, people to come to your shows. Yeah, trying to get people to come to shows. And if you're not like an outsized David Lee Roth style personality, even it's talking about well, it's demoralizing, yeah. but even talking about yourself sometimes is tiresome like yeah that's something i i I struggle with a lot yeah i think everyone does music wise unless um, you're david lee roth i guess well that's nice to hear i don't i didn't i didn't think everyone did because when i sometimes i talk about other people are like that's showbiz or you know yeah of course but um i think the there's the thing where you go which one is real because can they both be real like i can't get anybody to come to my show everybody over here thinks I'm the bee's knees. You know, which which of those is false or which of those is real? Or they're, right. they're both, actually, you have to hold both of them and it's right. hard. Um, I think it can just be something that is you have to meditate on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the duality of, of just life in general. Yes. yes, that's true. Because to this person, you know, it's, uh, think of it as being a parent, for mm. example, right? Your kids idolize you. And they when hate they're you young. too. Like you are their everything. They're everything. But then you go to work and say you're the lowest oh. girl on the totem pole oh, at the Walmart checkout counter or wherever you work, you know? And so at home, you're a god. And then in the world, you're nobody. Hmm. And like being able to, you, you hit it exactly right. You have to be able to hold those two disparate things in your hand at the same time and still function. Yeah. Because they do both have the validity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But I think it's really, it, I mean, congratulations, first and foremost. I mean, that's something, a cool, a really cool thing. We had Adam Levy. Uh, he was the guitar player for Nora Jones' band when she exploded. I mean, they didn't expect to sell 23 or 24 million copies of that first album. It was Amazing. on a jazz label. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they would have been blown away to get 200,000 copies, I think. And look what happened with that. You know, how many people get to go on that kind of ride to have their song in an Audi commercial? That's pretty, that's, you know, that's rock star status nowadays. <laughs> Look at you with your I'm spandex pants. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm anyway. embarrassed we're talking about this. No, it's cool stuff. I'm that's like, why oh, we do this. No. People want, but that's the thing. People want to hear this. There are so many musicians out there, right? And it's and I, these questions that I'm asking are questions I have for myself. Like, well, how did you do that? And everybody's like, mm. well, I don't know. It just kind of happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, you keep doing what you do, playing your shows, writing your songs, trying to get your people to come to shows, and the next thing you know, some. But it feels like Record it's so hard Europe. to plan. I mean, yeah. And then it just feels like, well, it's like I won the lottery. And it, well, is it going to happen again? Probably not. But maybe it will. And then yeah. you have this like, uh, just, you know, uncertainty in your life of 
Right. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's life. Can lightning strike twice? Well, it lightning strikes somewhere every day. Why not? Yeah, that's right? true. It's got to be the tall thing for lightning to strike. Anyway, my guest, Simone White, we're getting all metaphorical on uh, on the music business here. Uh, let's play another song. What's okay. this next one going to be? I will, dist- is... I will distract you with live music that you, will, that you, you. will provide. Thank you. This is back to basics. Yeah. This is Little Heaven, Little Blue. This is a very new song. I think I want to. I think I want to name my my record "Little Heaven, Little Blue." What okay. do you think? Do you think that's a good title? Sure. Yeah, I like sure. it. Sure. <laughs> so it could be. Okay. Yeah, no, sure. It's like it's a crappy response. Sure. It's like, baby, where do you want to go eat? Do you like tacos? Sure. sure. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um. Here we go. Okay. Simone White is my guest. Little Heaven, Little Blue. New, new song. Can't wait to hear this. Sweat flowed freely from the cracks and seams If I could just burn through the heaviness and blue The patchwork and the pieces that keep covering the truth Joe Armstrong, you are listening to Independence Day. Come to you every other week. Indepday.com, also indepday.com slash iTunes. There's a much more ridiculous URL you can look up if you want to find it on iTunes. You just find it through iTunes, period, on the iTunes podcasts. 
Uh, but that's the more elegant one. You can always find us there. Also on YouTube, youtube.com slash in-depth day videos. Follow us on Instagram at in-depth day and Twitter at in-depth day. That's where you find us. Lots of great music on here. So many great artists. Simone, thank you for being one of those artists. Thanks for having me, really, Joe. I really liked your music. It's really thank you. good. And I, and I, I kind of backed into it from the, the picture. We talked about that oh, before. Yeah, yeah. Like there were just some photographs that Michael had taken, Tulinski. And they were cool and it and it got me thinking, okay, what does she sound like? There's 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 art going on here. So, so when you saw that picture, because uh I thought it was funny I'm wearing this sort of like glamorous evening dress mm-hmm. and I'm wearing and I'm holding the guitar instead of my usual like folk frocks. <laughs> and um I liked the the contrast of that. That's what I was trying, yeah. you know. So did that? Did that? Was that part of what you were like? What's this going to be like sonically? It was just interesting. Okay, it's an interesting visual, and if it's an interesting, you know, I, if if you've got an artistic eye or ear, they're all they're, they're connected. I feel like if you're looking at somebody doing something artistic or something, I don't want to say different because what's different exactly? Different from what? Right? right. But it was just interesting to me, and I thought, okay, that looks interesting. Let's just see. You know, somebody's taking the time to make something interesting. And if they're taking time to make something interesting in this form of art, why it stands to reason to me logically that they oh, would right. make something interesting in their musical world because mm-hmm. they're taking time to do it. You know, uh, it's sometimes songs just kind of tumble out. It's offhanded, but there's work. There's years of work behind those songs that just tumble out. Yeah, and years of you know pain and heartache and feeling yeah. and experience and all the stuff that you've like has filtered through you as a human, right? And art, there's that phrase again. Artists have their whole lives to make their first album, and then you know two years to make their second album. But there's still that whole life behind. I don't, it. That's only if you put your whole life into the first album. I mean, you might still have some left over to put in the second, right? Well, that's what I'm saying exactly. I thought the reason the sophomore album was hard is because, I mean, I thought it was for other reasons than that. Well, I think that's part of it. But what I'm getting at is I'm, I'm bending that metaphor to say that. Even though you've only had two years to make the second album or whatever it is between the first album and the second album, you still, it's not like you gave up everything that you had living up to that first album. You still have all that stuff. You know, you're still carrying that stuff forward. It's just that now that you may, hopefully you've gotten some kind of notoriety or some kind of somebody listened to the first one and now you're making the second one. Or they have expectations now. Yeah. Whereas for the first one, there were no people, you were a tabula rasa. Nobody had any idea what to expect out of you. Yeah. And then and if, anyway. if you'd go in a different direction, it's like, People get annoyed about that, or yeah. or they get annoyed if you keep doing the same thing. You can't please everyone. Yeah, and you shouldn't even try. You shouldn't. Uh, let's revisit just one little thing real quick. <laughs> you, yeah, you're, yeah, I know you don't want to talk about this, but ha, like the, the Omega ha, watch thing. You're totally thing. getting me on this. But like, I, I just, talked it's to an you interesting thing. in confidence. Oh no! Oh, um, it's an interesting. Okay, what is interesting? Well, it's it's another placement, but it was a song that you didn't write. Yeah, my friend, f- uh, my friends Frank Bango and Richie Vasecki wrote this song called "Bunny in a Bunny Suit," and mm-hmm. I covered it. And it was in this Omega Watch ad with Nicole Kidman. Yeah, but around the world, not in America. Yeah, in some ways that's preferable, though. In a way, all right. If it if you're still. Like if you're in from the '90s, like you know, like I grew up when I grew up, and it was like you would never do something like that. Oh my God, right. what's wrong with you? So I think back then it, that would have been totally ideal. Um, now nobody, you know, it's like how are you supposed to make money? And you know, it's it's amazing thing making money as a musician, and it helps you just like be able to make more uh, music and tour and everything. So I guess if it had come out here in America, then I could have toured in America. Yeah. So that would be different. 
Yeah. Because it's people don't realize we were in um, Switzerland a year ago, not too terribly long ago, my girlfriend and I. And we're walking around, and here are major American actors and actresses on. They go and sell out. Around, I know they go over there. And and it's for like a lame product. No, it's not I even know. like I saw Cameron Diaz Ferrari, in, in, you know? in a in a cell phone ad in Japan. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Like it was not not because she was doing a, just the whole thing. And it, no, it's interesting. They do the same thing. They go. They people go. Want to get all, I get, that's what I'm getting at. People want to get all high and mighty about this not selling out thing, but it's show business, mm. and it's very hard to make a living at this. It's very hard, and you can't leave. You can't really afford to leave money on the table unless you're a guy like Tom Waits or Bruce Springsteen who already had a big pile of money. Sure. And you know you feel they're watering down your brand that already exists. We don't have that luxury anymore. You know we we any revenue stream. You know, it's just become harder to become a musician with the technology distribution the way it is. And kids don't buy music anymore. It yeah. doesn't, it's, you know, anything we can take. Anyway, I'm just trying to make, I'm trying to help you feel better about yourself in oh, terms right, of right. these. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be so hard on yourself Thanks, in terms Joe. of this. <laughs> I think it's really great. I mean, I mean, every musician who's no, listening right now, raise your hand if you wouldn't <laughs> No, I think sell it's great your, too. I'm just embarrassed talking about it, I guess. Yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> sell some product with your music and like, sure, there's like one guy in the back. But, you know, it, it, anyway, I don't think it matters. So let's, let's rewind a little bit. Let's kind of reset what we're talking about. Um, tell me about growing up. You, you, did you come from a musical household? You're from, Hawaii was your first... Hawaii. I was born in Hawaii. First formative year. How many years were you in Hawaii? I was there my first four years. Okay. Um, and that's, you have memories probably from that, right? You start, oh, yeah. You start to have memories of that age. I think I was talking about this last night. My first memory was seeing this creature on the wall, which I realized later was a gecko. Okay. Um, but I was like a baby and I was lying there and I was looking at this thing and it was crawling across the screen. And I had, the, I had this sort of like ancient dinosaur feeling about it. And it turned out to be, you know, it was a gecko, but it seemed like you know, very big. And well, when, you, when you yourself are small. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. Um, I remember eating lots of, you know, papayas and mangoes and avocados and lychee nut and... This everything you know, it's just beautiful there. Yeah. So, but musically speaking, musically, were well, there my mother was a folk family? singer. Okay. Uh, my mother was a folk singer, and my grandmother was a performer, a singer, and a dancer. Uh, in kind of, she called it show business, but uh, you could sort of say it was like kind of burlesque or vaudeville style. I have tons of photos. I've used a lot of them in the artwork of my albums. Um. But as I was growing up, I mean, my mom sang a cappella a lot, but I didn't, um, I never, you know, she didn't play guitar anymore when I was growing up and she did, so it wasn't like she passed that on to me, it, like, like, here, I'm going to teach you this. But, uh, you know, people say it's in your blood or it's in, yeah. it's just in your DNA somehow, I don't know. Because when, when I tell the story, they're like, oh, that's why. And I'm like, well, yeah. yeah, but she didn't actually like sit down and go, here's the guitar and this is how you play it. You know, it wasn't Well, you came that. to guitar kind of late, right? Oh, yeah. And I, and I, um, I mean, I, all of this is, I'm kind of a late bloomer. I mean, yeah. But I, I started playing guitar, um, I guess I started playing guitar in, when, in my early 20s and I did it just so that I could have some way to... Um, to accompany yourself. Yeah, and, and you can't, like, nobody takes you seriously when you're trying to, you know, you, as like, you find a band and you're like, here's my song, and you're just singing, and it's like, what, you know, so I needed, and I never, I never wanted to be, like, a guitar player, mm -hmm. and I just was like, be, I think because I had such low expectations for myself, it just naturally, 
grew and now I have people come up to me after shows it's always guys and they're like wow you're a really good guitar player I'm like really wow I, I didn't it just sort of happened accidentally because it was just you know over time right but it's like a certain particular style there's tons yeah. of stuff I can't do at all well I feel like you've grown into what it what it is that you are oh right? nice and to that's how you become original and that's how you become an innovator because if everyone's doing the same thing everyone else is doing and even if you do it to an exemplary fashion everybody's seen it a thousand times to do something on your own, the way you do it, and have success of some kind with that is the goal. And that's how you distinguish yourself. That's how you become, again, that, that's what makes you you, and therefore someone who may not know that guitar playing. Like maybe that's the all thing you can do. Like it's a one-trick pony situation, but it's a really good trick. Right. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. I'd rather do one trick really, really well, better than everybody else, than be able to do fair to middling at everything. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm trying to decide, is that a compliment you just gave me? Yeah, okay. certainly. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, and there's something about constraints. I think when you can do anything or you have access to anything, or I think we see that today with, you know, music production. It's like, you could do anything. Yeah. And it's, there's something, and then you have to decide. And then there's a lot of time like spent like, well, which is better? It's hard right. to tell. But if you have some kind of constraint, like maybe I got into the folk style of music because I had a guitar and that's what I was playing. And right. what are you going to play on that if not? Although I didn't do that whole singer-songwriting kind of... But anyway, mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say is... Um, uh, what am I trying to say here? I'm not sure. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> You've got the conk. No, I... I, I, I uh, as far as guitar playing, I was very inspired by Bert Yanch. And I felt okay. like he... Like his... He just he just made it seem like you could do whatever you wanted, that there wasn't a particular thing you had to learn. Mm -hmm. So there was like a freedom in that. Okay. Uh, so where where did songwriting come from for you? Because you said you said before you were kind of a late bloomer. For okay, that's, that's even well, before I guess that, from writing, from well, writing what, what were poetry you doing? and stories. And, okay, what were you doing um, before you did music stuff? Were you doing other types was, of music? I was I was living in London. I was a I called myself a photographer and a writer. And I did acting, and I, I made, you know, I was writing like did did short wrote short film scripts and made them, and um, took lots of photos. And back before digital photography, mm -hmm. um, so I think I've always been a storyteller. My mom actually said this the other day. I was really surprised. She's like, "You were always interested in the story. Like this, you started as a writer." Mm -hmm. And I think coming to music, like when I write a song, it's always the lyrics first. Like it, that, the me having the meaning or understanding what what I'm trying to say is the most important starting point. And I know people who do it totally a, another way, and 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 it surprises me. Like they'll have a whole song that doesn't have lyrics, and they're like, right. it's kind of interchangeable. Oh, let's put it, you know, or just singing something. It doesn't matter, and then at the last minute, put some other lyrics. And I don't um, do that. Okay. I mean, everyone does have their way no, of going about yeah. things, you and know, it whatever makes, works and, for them. And I think it's interesting, too, because when you had like the Brill Building days or the the old songwriting teams, it was like music and lyrics, and they were right. two different people. And you can kind of see how there are people that are just really good or they come at it from that direction, and right. it makes sense that you would have... Well, it's like Elton John and Bernie Taupin. Right. You know, a, a major example of that, or the Nashville people doing that kind of thing. Um and that's why, you know, a guy like, 
I always have this conversation with musicians who are uh, really into songwriting, like Bob Dylan versus Neil Young. Oh, right. Right? And, you know, Dylan being the undisputed champion, heavyweight champion of songwriting, you know, f- for the modern age. Um, but I always preferred Neil Young because his music was, you know, everything rhymes in the Neil Young world, and he's not as prolific. I mean, nobody's prolific as Dylan. How many hundreds of songs has he written? Right. But Neil Young had slightly more interesting music to me. Like the chords were more haunting and mm-hmm. he had more unique music. Whereas Dylan, it was all about the lyrics and it's like the chords just kind of were there because they needed to be there. Right. Otherwise he'd just be a poet, which I suppose he could be. But I don't know. I just, I, I find it fascinating how everyone approaches these things differently. Um, and if you start with lyrics, great, go from there. So then how long, how complete are your songs as lyrics before you start adding music to them? Is it like, do you write what you would perceive to be the whole? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it's like a seed. Um, and it, and then it changes as you're singing, like because of the phrasing or because of what do you want to pack into that melody? Or, you know, it isn't, it isn't, and I guess, I guess it starts with the, the idea more than the lyrics. It starts with the okay. idea rather than, yeah. Um, but it, you know, I'll have like a line here there and then as i'm as i'm writing it or figuring out or singing um then that you know it's 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 funny because sometimes they come out fully formed and then other times it's definitely a um honing and refining and singing and finding the phrasing or the the melody and you know um do you ever go on stage with something kind of partially cooked oh, to God. see how it feels? <laughs> no. No? But, I, but this songwriter circle that I did that my friend Ed was doing, um, his big thing was trying to get people to play brand new material. Mm-hmm. And I, in fact, we were like, I, I wrote several songs for it where it was like I'd written it the day before. And that was a very good exercise for me because I, I'm like perfection i want to perfect ah, it before okay. i share it with the world and i've perfected it in my room you know and so here i was and i was shaking i was so nervous and it was it was very good exercise to to just like bring something out that that you you're gonna mess up on or that you know yeah. that is that isn't ready you know it's scary if you have like this kind of like overwrought need for perfection about it first which you seem to yeah I, I do i'm i'm i think i'm you know i think people's natures are just certain ways and you just learn to work with it and not be so hard on yourself so would you for example say you were going to go do an album with a new band or your band okay you assemble a group a, a group of musicians to do your next album a drummer a guitar player bass player keyboard player whatever your instrumentation is going to be would you ever roll in there having them not heard the songs and then just say okay i'm going to play it through and then we're going to try a take. I guess it depends on what you're going for and, and also but how good though, everybody is. Would you do that though? Well, I did that in Nashville. I okay. mean, I recorded um, my first two albums there with Marky Nevers and he was, he assembled these great musicians. They weren't like just like completely soulless like studio musicians. They were like real you know, full of soul (laughs) musicians, but they were like, they were, we, I would play it for them once they'd make charts. We'd go through it maybe twice. Mm -hmm. And then we were recording and 
we take do three takes tops right and mark he was just like that's and it was all recorded live and he's like that was his thing and that and i don't you know you get a certain kind of sound you get a certain kind of record with that um i was it was all very new to me i mm-hmm. think I, I don't i would do it differently like i feel like definitely knowing a song really well and having played it a lot and maybe toured with it and like really gotten getting into the skin of the song is very important to me and this whole idea of like writing something and it's brand new and then doing that recording because i listen to those records now and i'm like oh i would do this different or i'm better at this now or i wouldn't sing it that way or you know so you know you commit yourself to what like you said it whatever that becomes if you're going to do it that way because there's you know even now it's become much cheaper to make records cost effective than it used to be yeah um but you are committing to that when you do it that way and and something can be said for either one um i've got my i call it my sex pistols steely dan continuum nice that that people exist on when it comes to making music (laughs) like this like sex pistols is all raw no thought all heart blood viscera boom go Mm -hmm. whereas steely dan is very clinical it takes them years to record an album and then everything is measured out every this snare drum is exactly this far from the mic which is exactly this far here and then this to here and years of, of working on things and most musicians fall somewhere in between you know and it's it's seldom and i use it's kind of a joke like i i do it's a joke but it's not because, you know, the Sex Pistols had to record things, and I'm sure they had rehearsals. And Steely Dan may have a jam. I don't know. But you, people kind of lean more towards one or the other, I think, when they're making their art. Is it a little more polished? Like, you think about a guy like Paul Simon. Like, mm-hmm. I imagine, go, like, Paul Simon probably rehearses his band for weeks before he goes out on a tour. Whereas someone else might take them in, like, okay, well, we got to make sure we do this, so let's do a rehearsal. Well, it depends on what kind of music you're making, it's true. too. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard... Well, I've worked with different producers. Like the last record I did, Silver Silver, took a year to record. And there was a lot more of that Steely Dan happening. Yeah. Um, and it opened up something to me. I was like, wow, you, it's very interesting how a song, how many different lives a song can have or how many. And then you get into that thing of what's the best way to present this song to the world? Like there's songwriting and then there's, song recording and when then there's performing as, as well like am i going to perform on tour with just me and my guitar or am i going to get a band together and take them which i've done that as well and, yeah. and are we trying to do the album or it you end up it's like what's the best and maybe there is no one way to do it but i have songs now yeah. and i i haven't well there's a couple of reasons i haven't um recorded them um but one of them is i'm not even sure i know how they want to live in the world mm-hmm. You know, I know how they are as songs with just me and guitar, but I don't know what the, I like, it, there's so many different possibilities. And so right. it, there's that side of it too. Yeah. So how do you then decide? I don't know. Yeah. How do you know when it's, when it's done either? You know, it's, it's, that's a big part of making art, like knowing when to stop. Yeah. Put down keep the, layering stuff on. Put down the brush. Well, yeah, go the Phil Spector route and just put everything on there. Or, you know, it's, it's sad. I hate this. Uh, I'm going to say it anyway. Like it used to be called put down the brush. Like you got to know when the painting's done. Right. You got to put down the brush. Like now literally you got to know when to like let go of the mouse. Let go of the mouse. Stop. That's, yeah. That's what it is now. Go to bed. Turn the computer off. Yeah. <laughs> Close exactly. your eyes. Exactly. How about, you know, I, I want to talk about touring a little bit. Okay. And then we'll roll on out of here. But first I want to get to another song. So yes. you've got such lovely music. And what's this next one? This what's is this next called song Never Be That Tough. I wrote this with 
the producer of my last record, Silver Silver, um, Samuel Bing. And this is a, oh, this is actually a song that's, that's interesting, the, the variations of what a song can be. On Silver Silver, this song is like a very pretty little um, folk, or I don't know, folk's probably the wrong word to use, but I'm playing you know, acoustic guitar with harmonies and it's really pretty, very simple. And then recently, uh, we put out a like ABBA version of it. Oh, cool. And it's amazing. Like it lends itself to both. Yeah. And actually this song, Never Be That Tough, was in um, a film, Patrick Ian Polk's film, Blackbird, which mm-hmm. came out this year um, as the really pretty one. And it and it's it, and it's amazing to me. Like people have heard the ABBA sort of dance version are like, oh my god, I didn't realize. It's like they, it's 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 like totally new to them. Right. It's like this song can try on all these different outfits, which is so much fun. And singing, I sang it totally differently. Obviously, when I was yeah. you know belting it out. Um, so here's a very stripped down, quiet version. Okay, Simone White. So happy to have this. Never be that tough on Independence Day. When I first met you Back in December I think I thought I knew I knew better But now Spring is around us Feels like a change is really happening And everything is possible I should know by now You have to surrender For love Don't turn your back on love Don't turn your back on love Cause you could never like I could remember that this goes on and on forever and ever there's nothing we could do to make it better Don't turn your back on love 
Another beautiful song from Simone White. Please drop by SimoneWhite.com. That's how you say it in Alabama. White. White. Got to add the hua. Is that true? Now, it that's is. interesting. because All that's... my relatives in the South say, you want white or wheat? White. Well, because that's also proper like proper English. Yeah. Saying white. White. Why? But everyone says, yeah, why. What, when, where, why, <laughs> or who. <laughs> who. Exactly. All right. So enough proper English. Simone, it's, it's so great to have you on it's the show. It's great to be here. It's fun to talk to you. I You're love, a good talker, thank Joe. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. I love, like, but I love getting you into the places that you don't want to talk about because it gets you bashful stuff. It's, it's fun. That's where the good stuff is, though. It's okay. Otherwise, it's too safe. Let's talk about, I mean, this is relatively safe, but talk to me, just talk about touring for a few minutes because touring. Like, it's, it's become a way that musicians have kind of made up some of the money that they don't make on albums anymore. Mm-hmm. That you go out by yourself usually when you go out just you and a guitar i mostly go out by myself when silver silver came out i um assembled a band to try it because the record was so different from my normal stuff i assembled a band um to try to kind of and we we played the record it was great and i went twice actually with a band to europe and actually i had a band when I i played two major shows um in holland early on when that song was popular and i got a dutch band together when i went out there and, and played at the paradiso which is a big deal um were their musical sensibilities different yes music, th- music being the common language but yet right. a different culture might approach it differently maybe i mean there was at one point it was stand-up bass guitar drums was that it yeah and my guitar and when I, I sang the Beep Beep song in Dutch, I sang it first with me and my guitar in English. And then I said, do you want to hear it again? It's so short. And of course, they were all blown away. I'd learned Dutch. It's a very difficult song to yeah. sing, to speak. Very difficult language to speak in, but to sing. I mean, I was like bringing up all kinds of phlegm while you're singing. is really <clears throat> hard. Yeah, but I was. I said to them, I remember. Okay, everybody, you know, play along. Like when we were rehearsing, and they were super embarrassed at first because it, there was some cultural thing where the the sound that they were making was like very to them embarrassingly folky or silly, like this, okay. like the bass and this and that. And I was really encouraging it because I thought it sounded great. And they were yeah. like, oh, "Oh no!" And I was like, "Come on!" It was a little oompa oompa kind of feeling, okay. you know. And it was funny, and you know, but. Are there different sensibilities? I think there are. I mean, I want to I want to record in Japan because I feel like the well, the sensibility culturally there is so there's so much spaciousness there mm-hmm. in just and so much communication without words and all this stuff. But I also feel like they have they're okay with silence, and I'd love to have a record that has silence in it in that in the way that they have. And when I was touring there, to get it back to the question you first asked me, um, it was astonishing because at first, and I think other people have had this, definitely probably had this experience when you're used to audiences in certain countries and the way they respond to you. And then you go to someplace like Japan where they're very contained. Um, you At first it's like, what's going on? Oh, they don't like it. Oh, they're just being super polite. What, you know, oh, I'm having, this is terrible. 
And then you real, or I realized, I mean, hopefully you realize when you're there because it's such an amazing realization is they are so present here right now with me. And they're like, they're, it's like happening on this other mystical level. And they're like, and, and once I, I realized that I could be an introvert on stage the way that I actually, maybe I'd prefer to be just play the music not worry about this like chatting in between you know i've had people come up to me at shows after shows that was so great i wish you you know you're a funny person and it would be great if you like talked more or chatted you know like your songs are really you know and so there i realized i could play a song stop not say anything mm-hmm. and they were riveted they were right there with me and it was like it gave me this it like gave me this freedom in a way that was amazing. And, and, and I felt very confident in that. It wasn't like, uh, Oh no, are they, you know, are they with me on this? It was, it was very kind of interesting. So yeah, I mean, music is universal, but I think there are, I mean, there are major cultural differences and certain things are just going to sound different. And I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's a, a very important thing both for a human to do or especially for an artist to do because, you know, the job of the artist, such as it is, is interpreting reality. You know, interpreting, a, a portraying something in a way that other people can relate or makes you think about it in a different way. And for an artist to travel, I think, is absolutely essential because oh, then yeah. you, you really get a feel for, you're not just interpreting your own culture's neuroses. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you're interpreting human neuroses in and in its full width and breadth and when you're on stage and everybody's looking at you you're picking up on all this energy and every you know it's amazing or it can be like terrifying or like very distracting yeah but it can also be this amazing feeling i mean that how there is so much communication going on just in the air from you you can feel it yeah you know you can feel it i mean it's been a while you know, especially if you have a band, and like it, it, when everything hits on the, the proper cylinders at the right time, it's a very it's a very palpable sensation. When the band is all together, like brain wavelengths playing it's the like music, it's like you're surfing. It's like you're surfing, yeah. and the crowd then connects to that too. It's a you can you can feel it in a room when that happens. It's very very unique, and I think that's what separates like the great artists from the people who are not because it just doesn't happen as much. I think. And when you don't, and if you have a band in between the songs there's like i love that camaraderie like when when i did tour with a band i was like whoa this is so different <laughs> this is yeah. you have that support and it's not just you there you know yeah so well, it light, lightens it up a lot you have dynamics yeah di- yeah dynamics you know exactly. i was i was telling this to a musician friend of mine over the weekend how i don't really like playing solo shows that much so i don't play that much because if i have a band and then i go play a solo show then i love it because then the solo show is in contrast to the full, what I consider to be like the full experience. And right. it may not even be that loud with the band, but it's just those extra textures and that extra... And other people. Other people and their souls and what they bring to it and yeah, their personality. And they, they do that. They did that scientific uh, MRI thing with musicians and they saw that your brains all link up together <laughs> while yeah. you're, when you're playing. Do you remember that? That's yeah. amazing. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, so one, let's see. Let's, let's get to another song. And we'll get you on out of here. Like I don't. The funny thing you know what I've noticed tonight. I don't think any question I've asked you've actually answered the question I asked. But you gave Uh-oh. me other like other awesome stuff. Roundabout. That's okay. Okay. It's cool. It is. It should be what it is. Oh, you wanted to talk about touring. Well, more. We, did, we talked about touring. 
Touring is talk, fun. Talk I love touring. On stage. I love touring. Yeah. Well, touring. Yeah, I do. It depends. <laughs> you do love touring. I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. What percent have you done? Like national tours here in the states? Not in America. Okay. I did a. I did a small tour. I was on a compilation, Kill Rock Stars compilation, years ago, and I did like a, a like a West Coast South uh, tour, but it wasn't. Um, it was like it was short. It was like ten days. How we do were, you? It was all that driving, but you know, touring yeah, in Europe is so different. I mean, they treat you. The hospitality there is incredible. Like yeah. the the what they, how they treat you as an artist. It's like night and day. I'm yeah. sure you've heard everybody's. Oh yeah, you heard. That, I had yeah. a Swedish artist on not too terribly long ago, Christian Smedstrom, who had come to L.A. He's kind of a Swedish blues artist, which sounds kind of funny, but he's actually really really good at it. It sounds fantastic. And he doesn't do a lot of stuff in the States for logistical reasons, but he makes a decent living and he plays in Sweden, but then he'll tour in Europe. And the stories. Oh, they just take care of you. It's amazing. And you feel like they treat you like a king there. And it's like, oh, thank you. I just, I mean, it's so, and then, you and then, you know, those poor European bands come here and they're like, okay, off the stage. Bye. Wait, what? (laughs) I feel like, all right, here here comes my anti-American stuff. Okay, let's go. Uh, I feel like our culture has devalued art right? and yeah, devalued yeah. music and to a certain extent devalued humanity. Yeah. Since everything and we're in a capitalist society, everything is built to serve profit margin and the dollar, the bottom line. Everything is catered to serve that. And to do that, now, this is my show. People can say whatever they want on their own shows. Right? <laughs> People will disagree with me and that's fine. But it seems if that's your goal, everything else is going to suffer. And cultures where they value those things a little bit more, music, even Canadians, I think, value music more than Americans Well, it's do. amazing. I mean, I, you know, there, there's money for the arts. There's yeah. not as much as there was now since the crash, but like there's still more. And, yeah. and there's just like, I would play shows sometimes that were totally free and I was getting paid handsomely. And it was because it was subsidized by this, wherever I was, you know, the city or the right. state. Or, and... I mean, it was amazing. I just saw um, Michael Moore's new film, um, Where to Invade Next. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, it's like about all the problems of America, but by going to Europe and other other countries, finding these amazing things there and kind of, let's bring these things back. Yeah. Let's invade there and get bring these things back. And, um, but that whole thing you're talking about, like devaluing the arts and music and, and just, and, and like what, you know, like in Italy, they go home for lunch, and they're yeah. like they're they're eating with their family. Just like what is a what is a what is a good life? You know what's really meaningful, and what keeps you healthy and and happy actually. And what it's not your, a bunch of money, right? And yeah, exactly. And you can't eat money. What what feeds your soul is may not be what feeds the bottom line. Yeah, and then but then also being like we're going to support these artists or these we're going to have you know we're going to teach poetry or the arts in schools and because yeah. that's important. For creating whole human beings. I, uh, I argue with a friend of mine who's more conservative a lot about this very topic. And I say, we don't support the arts. And he says, of course we do. We pay $80 to go see the, you know, such and such artists. I'm like, well, that artist has plenty of money. There, we, I don't think we do support the arts. As much. We have to put our... If you, if you like something, you are willing to invest in it. And you are willing to spend the money to see to it that it happens. And we do not invest in the arts the way we once did or the way other cultures do. And I'm going to leave it at that in terms of that. Because I don't, I mean, I, there are great things about America too. I love oh, it. Yeah. I'm an American. But, you know, it's <laughs> not everything, just like you were saying before, not everything is all good or all bad. But I sincerely wished we gave a crap about the arts more than we yeah, did. Yeah, and I think people here just don't know it's so different over there. And when you go as a, you know, a little kind of little touring musician and, and there's 
And they feed you. They feed you. They, they, they you give up, you. They put you up. They pay you. And they, and they pay you. And they and and they and they're not. And they pay you even if nobody comes. Like they're yeah. they're not going. Oh, you terrible person! You didn't bring it. You know they yeah. apologize if they didn't get. To. And one of the things I thought was amazing. So many places is, we would sit down to eat like a family. Like all the yeah. people that worked at these venues, rock and roll venues. The lighting person, the the ticket person, the, everyone sitting around a table eating like a family. It was amazing. Yeah. Was, there was so much heart. Mm, I love it. Yeah. All right. We oh. talked about playing this last song, but we haven't actually played it yet. What's this going to be? This song is called Big Dreams and the Headlines. Okay. I can't wait to hear this. Tell me just a little bit about it before we go. Um, I wrote this song... For uh, at a period of my life, I had a friend who was who wanted to die. That's what the song's about. Okay, enough said. We'll leave it at that. Let the song speak for itself. Simone White is my guest on Independence Day this week. Can't wait for you to hear this. If you stay a while, I promise I'll find a happy song to sing. La di da. And it's dark, but I can see in the dark. And you're smiling Don't go yet Don't be upset It's a sweet evening We'll go inside and light a fire And have a laugh and have a cry It's little things that add up to life Ten thousand moments of paradise Lost between the big dreams And the headlines I can't help you quit the blue Bad, bad news Oh, and you still gotta pay the rent All those years And where they went And lost your friends Why'd you miss those lucky breaks Somehow Everything's just a big mistake Cause you've come all this way I know it's hard But won't you stay All I can promise you is that tomorrow it's a brand new day. Ten thousand moments of paradise. 
lost between the big dreams and headlines. If you stay a while, I promise I'll find a happy song to sing. La di da. It's dark, but I can see in the dark, and you're smiling. Oh, don't go yet. Don't be upset. It's a sweet evening. And we'll go inside and light a fire and have a laugh and have a cry. The little things that add up to life. Ten thousand moments of paradise lost between the big dreams and the headlines. Once again, another lovely song from Simone White. You're such a good artist. <laughs> you keep saying that. Thank like, you, do. Joe. <laughs> artistic. I don't know. It's like it sends. It's like it's a, it, it. It exudes from you, like the fact that you're. I don't know how to say it. Like I don't know how to even explain it because I don't think there's. It, it's inexplicable in a way. Like somebody who's just artistic and you can feel that what they're doing is is art. And what you're doing is good. So I, I'm so Thank I, you. I commend you and Thank I encourage you, so you to keep doing it. Thank you. Um, so this is you know we're we're about out of time. Okay, I, mean, I, this has I, been I could amazing. talk to you all day. I mean, I, you're easy to talk to. It's fun to talk about these things. I love these topics. Um, and then my new favorite question, I've asked this to several, several, last several guests, but I'm going to ask you the same thing too. It's an open-ended question. Ask it anytime, anyway, answer it any way you like. Uh, but what makes you happy? Um, what makes me happy? <laughs> Now you're doing the politician thing. You, you, refer, you say the question back to me while you're thinking of a clever answer. I know, answer. I'm thinking of a clever... No, I'm not... I'm not I don't... I'm not, I want to be honest, but I also don't want to blurt out the first thing that comes into my head. <laughs> well, if it's cocaine, then you can just say that, but, you know... No. Um, bratwurst, I don't know. I guess I feel... Uh, I like. I like simple things. I like being in nature. I like eating good food. Like happy, I mean, I think what makes me happy is feeling good in my body, like feeling good in my skin, grounded, you know? Yeah. Because I was going to say, I'm also perfectly happy like walking through Tokyo, you know, with a crazy amount of stuff happening around me. It's not like I have to be on a beach, you know, in Hawaii. Um, So it's, I guess it's, just being grounded in, as a human being on this planet, whatever's happening, yeah. that makes me happy. When I'm unhappy is when I'm not, like, it's like when I'm too porous and stuff's like, you know, coming in that I that I, I don't want to have, like, ah, there's, you know, but if I'm grounded and I can take whatever's going on, then I'm happy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So being grounded. So being grounded, I guess, makes me happy. Yeah. Okay. And also just like, I like, I like, you know, I like doing the dishes. I like doing like... Hmm simple tasks and and you know they're proving now that the brain needs that downtime and that's where all these like great ideas come from so now i can look at it differently i'm not a simpleton i'm actually working very hard the value there's a value (laughs) in boredom 
about yeah. You need to be bored. You can't if you're or just you know if you have constant input, your brain yeah. can't create output. Exactly. And if, if art if you're making art, that's the output that is so essential to what it is that you do. So just like that that spaciousness, then something is stuff comes out of that. Yeah. Okay. So as we're wrapping up, you're working on some songs. You've got a new you're gonna start working on a new record maybe sometime later this year, probably. Yeah, I've got I'm, or early next year or maybe, something? Maybe sooner, yeah. Um, okay. And I'm also working with this jazz trio, which has been very exciting, doing a whole new style like that. I mean, you know, we've been, we just started doing all these standards that I've sung my whole life, but never actually properly with a band. So yeah. that's been really fun, new thing. And then any plans to get out on the road? No plans for the road. Okay, well, that's good. Good or bad. I don't know. Is it good or bad? It's I don't fine. Know. It's just, wow. What is, it is It is what it is. Make the record and then take it from there. Yeah. Okay. Well, Simone, thank you so much. Thank you, it's Joe. It's been such it's a been pleasure. It's been a pleasure. The music is so good. Everybody should check Simone out. Drop by simonewhite.com. You can also find her on Facebook, facebook.com slash Music. She's on the SoundCloud. I think it's simone-white, but you can find her if you need to and follow her on Twitter at simonewhite. And you know where to find everybody from Independence Day. Uh, please stay in touch. Let me know what you're up to. Your okay. music is great and keep making it, okay? I will. Thank you. Okay. So thank you so much to Simone White, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Dupinski, and Sally Shackleton, the unflinching Tony Tonelok Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do anything today, please be good to one another.